uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verses 1 to 16. And while you're turning there, just want to let you know about uh, the blue cards. They're in your news sheet. And uh, they're just a great way of you communicating with us, first of all, that you're here um, this, this week and any prayer requests that you have and any decisions that you'd like to make. Now, today, we would like, as you leave, to put them in the blue box, just which is at the exit, the double doors here as you leave uh, the, this auditorium, the worship centre. So it'd be great if you could put them in there as you leave today after the service. This is 1 Timothy 5, chapter 5. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and to ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. Give the people these instructions too so that no one may be open to blame. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow may be put on the list of widows unless she is over 60, has been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds, such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. As for younger widows... Do not put them on such a list. For when their sensual desires overcome their dedication to Christ, they want to marry. Thus they bring judgment on themselves because they have broken their first pledge. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. So I counsel younger widows to marry, to have children, to manage their homes and to give the enemy no opportunity for slander. Some have in fact already turned away to follow Satan. If any woman who is a believer has widows in her family, she should help them and not let the church be burdened with them so that the church can help those widows who are really in need. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you how you speak to us through it. And God, how you challenge us through your word. You call us to be people that would care for those most in need. 
And God, this morning as we gather together, uh, longing to know you more and to grow more in our faith and obedience to you, we pray that you would help us care for those in, in great need. God, that you would help us to be those that look out for others. And Lord, we, we pray today for our world where there are so many needs. Lord, we think of people in Malawi this morning uh, who have great needs for food and for your gospel. God, we pray that you would undertake for them there. God, we pray for people in Mozambique. God, we pray for people in India. Lord, Christians that are being persecuted there. Lord, we pray for people that are suffering greatly because of the stock market. Elderly people who have uh, lifetime investments reducing before their eyes and wondering what they will live on. Lord, we pray for uh, the needs in our community, for Wodonga, for Albury. And Lord, we cry out to those that need your, for, to you for those that need your care the most. Lord, today, help us to be people who look out for others in great need and seek to love them. Lord, this morning as we have begun this new term, we, we pray for courses that are beginning and things that are starting up. We ask your blessing on Kids Church this morning. God, may it be a wonderful time. Lord, for Youth United this Friday night. God, we thank you for Breathe, which started yesterday, on Friday. And we just pray that as small groups begin again for the term and as other activities begin, that, God, you would help us all grow in our faith in you and our love for one another and our desire to share you with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we gather around the Lord's table this morning, as God's family, his, his people, his church, one question might come to your mind. Does God really care for me? In all that I'm facing right now, in all of the things that are on my mind, in all the struggles that I have, in all of the hurts and disappointments that I have, does God does God care for me? As we come around the Lord's table, we're reminded again of a God who definitely does care. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. The Bible calls us to give all of the things that concern us and worry us to him. And God has endeavoured to meet your deepest, most uh, intimate need from deep within. He wants to meet your need. He cares for you so much that he wants to show you forgiveness and love, and to restore in you a relationship with him. Many of us are ashamed of so many things in our life that we've done. Many of us know full well the sin in our life. And so God 
did what we were completely unable to do. He showed his love and his care for us in sending his own son so that you and I can have our deepest needs met. Forgiveness. The removing of the weight of sin, the guilt, the shame, the burden that sin brings in our life, the penalty that we would have had to face on our own without Christ's death. So the communion table screams out to us, God cares, God loves you, he's made a way for reconciliation and forgiveness through his son, Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever accepts him, says yes to him, puts your faith in him, responds with open arms to him, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Jesus on the cross, taking my place, taking my shame, taking my blame, taking my pain. Jesus on the cross, taking my place, it was my sin that he took in my place. He took that. Taking my shame, it was my shame that he covered over through the shedding of his blood. Taking my blame, it was all the things that I was guilty of and done wrong. He took it, so there's no condemnation. Taking my pain, through Christ I'm forgiven and set free. Healed, made whole. Because of Jesus. No wonder such sorrow and love flow mingled down this table. Because it shows how much God cares for us and loves us. Even when we're dirty with our sin. He dies and takes it away and makes us whole. As we come to share in this meal, let's pray together and Mason's going to lead us in prayer. Oh Lord, do you care for me? Would your, uh, your care for me began before the creation of the world, before I was even born or thought of? Lord, you and your wisdom and you were concerned for all of humanity and uh, in your wisdom Lord in your care and your concern for us you have been working out a plan of redemption through the history through human history Lord you came into this world you didn't stay absent you weren't static Lord God of the universe creator of all things came and dwelt among us the wisdom of your great plan. God incarnate in man, living a perfect life as human and fully divine. Lord, you 
went to a cross and you, um, you died for that which was uh, your enemy or that which lived against you. We weren't your friends. We clenched our fists at you. We raised our voices at you. We spat at you. We cursed you. We hung you on a cross. Lord, you care for me. You're concerned for me. Lord, you went to a cross and you died for me. You died that everyone who has ever clenched their fist or raised their voice at you or spat at you could come into a relationship with you and know this loving God. And now, Lord, as we, as your people who have unclenched their fist, who have opened their heart and said yes to you, and as we gather together as your people in fellowship with your spirit, Lord, as we survey the wondrous cross on which you died, with great and glad hearts, we just want to say thank you for all that you've done for us, for bringing us back in a relationship with you, for reconciling us back to you. Lord, now would we just pause just remember all that you have done for us as we come together as your body in fellowship around these emblems just to remember what you have done. And Lord, we, we don't just remember, but we proclaim the promises that, that are in that. Lord, that you died, you rose again, and we have salvation in you and that you are coming back. Father, now your people, your children, we remember and we say thanks. Amen. So receive the love of God, the care of God, the grace of God through Jesus. This meal is for all those who trust in Christ. God's building his church. And the only way to become part of his family is not through being good, not through being nice, not even just through trying to do the right thing. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. If you believe in him, if you love him, Receive his love, his grace through this meal. If you haven't come to that decision, just leave these go and uh, keep seeking him. Keep opening your heart to him. The cup represents his blood which was shared. The bread represents his body which was uh, bruised for us so that we might be forgiven. Let's share in this meal with thankful hearts. God cares for us. It's been in the stock market, hasn't it? I mean, uh, I was talking to someone and they said, oh, you know, it's not that bad if you don't have shares. But did you realise, oh, our superannuation is often invested in that? And maybe uh, for you, as you've watched the stock market this week, uh, you know, I think they said it's been the worst you know, figures even since right back in Australia since 1983. And uh, it's just been Friday, it was called Black Friday, they had on the front of the border mail. And we've been just hearing stories all across the, the world about how different economies are suffering and different things are happening. And it could be that as you've been sitting back here, uh, people that are most affected by this, I think, would be people that are post sort of working age and are retired and had a nest egg set aside but invested that has just been shrinking. 
And it could be that this week has been full of anxiety for you, thinking, who's going to care for me if this nest egg just keeps shrinking? Who's going to look after me as I get older and older? And the good news is, Australia's a pretty good place to grow old in, I reckon. Like, I don't know about you, but it seems that even if the nest egg should have shrunk, there's like a minimum care that the government will provide for you. So that brings some hope and some help. Not much when this is all shrunk, I know. But maybe as you've been thinking through it, you might, it might have dawned on you that Australia's a pretty good place to live because we can get that. And it seems like finding housing for elderly people, although as we all get older, it's going to get harder and harder and more pressure on, it's a pretty good place to grow old. Or, or is it? Maybe as you've been uh, past retirement age and moving on and on in years, you might have noticed that people are getting quite busy, aren't we? I mean, it seems that more and more of your children, perhaps, or your grandchildren are spending more and more time working harder and harder to get more and more things that we need. And perhaps this week, as you maybe a son or grandson or daughter or granddaughter have been watching the stock market uh, crash, you've realised that some of the goals you might have set financially might be at risk now. <laughs> maybe you wanted a bigger house or more things for yourself and as you've been watching this, you've thought, oh, what am I going to do? And perhaps, perhaps there's been some anxiety in your life about how you're going to get through and when you really think about it, perhaps it's good to sit back and wonder what that all anxiety is about because I think what's happening more and more today is we become more and more anxious, not about needs, but about not having what the world tells us we need. And contentment, it seems, went out the window a long, long time ago. And more and more, the people in the stock market and the financial advisors start, oh, quick, your stock's gone down, you know, the end of the world's coming. And, and more and more, we, we get anxious about what's going to happen. And it's good to be good with our money and it's good to be careful with that and be good stewards. But what can happen is in the midst of this, there's a temptation for us to kind of say something like this to God. You know, God... <laughs> I know there are people around who are in much greater need than me. You know, I know there are people that are suffering much more than me, but God, this job I'm doing, <laughs> you gave it to me. And even though I'm working longer hours and working hard to get more money so I can have more than I need so that our family are not just getting by but are kind of doing quite well, they might not be able to do quite well, God if I help those that are desperately in need. So, God, uh, what I'm asking you is, would you just forgive me as I you know, spend less time helping my own parents and grandparents because I'm so busy doing the job you've given me? And would you kind of send some people along, like Christian people, you know, who might help visit them when they're lonely? And help support them for their needs. And God, would you still kind of bless what I'm doing? <laughs> we might not be as full on as that. 
or as honest to God as that. But sometimes in these moments when everyone's panicking, what we can try and do is say, I've just got to look after me. And what we can maintain is a level of comfort which is above needs while others' suffering continues. I wonder what God thinks about that for us as we, as we wrestle. And as many of us just uh, wrestle with what we can do when what we once had is shrinking. And, you know, even not just financially, but when we think about how we used to be much more relational. But as life's got busy, we tend to work more and relate to people less. What does God think about all that? How does he want to help us in that situation? How does he want to speak to us in that situation? Well, by now you are familiar with what's been happening in 1 Timothy. The church in Ephesus uh, was going through trouble. And Paul wrote a letter to Timothy, who he'd left at Ephesus to help deal with the troubles. And it seems like there's you know, kind of two real main things that the, that the letter's about. It's, it's trying to help them thrive in, in challenging times. And the way Paul's trying to help Timothy address this is to deal firstly with the false teachers who were causing lots of trouble in Ephesus. And then also it seems that to try and help reduce the influence of women in the church who were getting led astray by false teachers. And in the midst of this, uh, Paul is urging Timothy to, to not give up on teaching and preaching the word of God and using, you know, applying himself to good teaching and doctrine and, and, and trying to encourage people. And in the last few weeks, we've heard you know, Gail speaking about how important in this time the household of God is and Mandy talking about using your, your gifts and your character and you know, doing, using those together to serve in God's house. And as we come to this section... It seems like it's just writing about widows and how the church should look after them. But it seems that the whole purpose of Paul writing this is caught right up with the why he wrote the letter. He, the situation was that there were young widows who were, it seems, being influenced by the false teachers. And it could be that these widows were the same widows that we've read about in 2 Timothy 3, 6 to 7, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 6 to 7, where Paul said these weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. And it seems that these women were getting affected by the false teaching and the purpose of the book of 1 Timothy was for him to not only address the false teachers but to give some guidance on how the women should act in this situation. It's likely from this passage that widows who were still young and capable of work were actually... uh, availing themselves of the resources of the Christian community. So they were young and they found themselves as widows and yet they were um, you, you know, provide, getting provided for by the church 
And it's, instead of them actually responding and using their gifts and, and, and serving, what they were doing was not that. Look what he writes here. Um, some of these younger widows were, were people that were in verse 12. Thus they bring judgment upon themselves because they've broken their first pledge. They were young. They were signing up to be widows who would be helped by the church. And then when their desires were getting, you know, they were getting sexually awakened again and longing to be married, they would break the pledge to be widows and and they would break what they'd agreed to be, widows who would serve God. And besides that, Paul says, these women were getting idle and going about from house to house and they were becoming idlers and gossips and busybodies, and saying things that they ought not. And so Paul says these women who are wanting the church to help them, well, they shouldn't be helped by the church. What they should do is they should marry, have children, and manage their homes so that they give the enemy no opportunity to slander them. And then... He brings in the urgency of the problem. He says some have, in fact, already turned away from following Satan. So, first of all, the heart of this passage is to stop the wrong widows receiving the care and slurping up all the resources of the Christian community so that they could just keep being idle and gossips and carrying around and and perpetuating the false teachers' teachings. Paul says, that's not to happen. But then he says that those who are in genuine need, those widows should be given proper recognition, verse 3. Give proper recognition to those women who are, those widows who are really in need. What he's saying is you should honour them. You should uh, really recognise their genuine situation that they're in and you should look after them and care for them. You know, this is not new to 1 Timothy. Actually, the whole Bible is talking about a God who cares, a God who cares for orphans, for people that are aliens on the land, who, who are slaves, for people who are poor, for people who are oppressed. God is always looking out for people that are in desperate straits and he wants people to experience care. And you know what? The very reason why you might have more than enough is so that you can care for those that don't have enough. The very reason... You might have been given more than just your share is so that God might use you to help those that are in the most desperate need. And here God says, give, uh, Paul says, give proper recognition to those who are really in need. But first of all, the first way these widows should be cared for is by their family. Families should care for their own families first and should look after them. So look at what, what he's, he says here. God wants people 
to, to want to ask to be those that help people in need. And we might say, wow, Jonathan, there's so many needs. Are you just saying I have to meet every single need around? I mean, you know, if you have a look all around the world, there's people that are dying and suffering. I look, I know a guy who's just lost his job. I know another guy who's, you know, in real trouble, uh, alone, feeling depressed, and he needs someone to go and sit and talk to him. Are you just saying my whole life has to be run by people's needs? You know, is that what God wants me to do in these times? Well, Paul says, no, no, no. First of all, there's a priority. If you have people in your home, in your relatives or your immediate family who are in need, you should care for them. Verse 4, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn, first of all, to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family And so repaying their parents and grandparents, for this is pleasing to God. In in this passage 1 to 16, uh, Paul gives a number of reasons why we should look after people in our own family in times where where people are suffering and hurting. First of all, when we do that, we'll be demonstrating that we're putting our religion into practice by repaying our parents and grandparents. Did anyone, just for interest, come into the world looking after your own selves? Anyone have a job when you were born? Or No, we were helpless, weren't we? Somebody fed us. Somebody cared for us. Somebody looked after us. And your parent, your uh, grandparent it might have been, but somebody cared for you. And now as your parents or your grandparents get older and older, God's saying, What a great opportunity for you to show how thankful you are by caring for them, especially when their nest egg is reduced, you know, (laughs) especially when they're feeling lonely and isolated and especially when they're feeling like uh, they need care and help. The second thing, reason why, is because it's pleasing to God. It just says here it's pleasing to God. God delights in his people, showing care to those that are most at need in your family. And then thirdly, uh, it, it's by doing this, what they're doing is they're, we're expressing our faith in God and we're not denying the faith. You know, by doing that, we're showing that this is pleasing to God and we're not denying the faith that we have. So that's caught up in verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What's that saying? Well, you know, there are some people that say, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And yet at the same time, they say, well, my own dear parents, I'm not going to look after. And yet there are non-Christians who don't even know about 1 Timothy chapter 5, who are actually caring for their parents and loving them. And so you who are a Christian who have received the love of God, realise that God's a God who cares. When you come to go and care for others, you're doing less than what a non-Christian would do. They'd at least care for their people. So God wants us to demonstrate our faith and not deny it by the way we care for others older people and people in our family especially. And the other reason 
Paul says that we should care for the people in our family and look after them is to relieve the church of the burden. Verse 16, it says that. By doing that, we would be able to relieve the, the, the burden off the church to care for the genuine widows in need because our, our grandparents or parents in the church might actually have us that can care for them and other people can be cared for in that way. Then Paul says, first thing, the whole reason I'm doing this, this section, he says, is, you know, because there are some widows who are taking advantage of the church. So, first of all, you who have people who are in great need, who are widows or people in trouble in your family, care for them, relatives or immediate family. You look after them for all those reasons. That's great. And then he says, now, for those who are genuine, uh, genuinely in need, we want to care for you. The church wants to care for you. So he says, no widow may be put on the list of widows unless she's over 60. They made that, that rule because the younger widows, you know, who could be doing other things were, were taking advantage of it. She's been faithful to her husband. You know, there's been a one husband woman, someone who's been faithful to her husband and is well known for her good deeds such as bringing up children, showing hospitality, washing the feet of saints, helping those in trouble and devoting herself to all kinds of good deeds. And Paul says these kind of widows, the church should help. The church needs to get behind and support and help. I think Paul is wanting Timothy on one hand to make sure that those who are in greatest need get the care they need and on the other hand to ensure that those who are doing the wrong thing and taking advantage of the church's generosity stop doing that. So what is God saying to us through this passage today? I think God's just saying so clearly like he has said right through the scriptures that God wants us to care for people who are in need, whether it be widows, whether it be uh, people that are unemployed, whether it be people that are going through great struggles at this time of depression or sickness or illness. God wants wants us as his followers to care for people in need. So as you're sitting here thinking, stock market's falling, work's getting busier, time's getting really hard. Oh, boy, have I been neglecting those people around me in my family, in my, um, those who are my relatives and those who are in, in my church around me, people that I know, have I been neglecting them? And that is a great question to keep asking and crying out to God for. God, have I been doing what you want me to do? Because we've got to remember that Paul said, if anyone does not provide for these people, for relatives and especially immediate family, he has denied the faith. We don't want to do that especially as things get tougher. There's no point uh, in, in doing that. It's, it's not the road God wants you to go down. What, what God's saying is if you neglect your family, if you actually uh, neglect them, and then you come down and pray to God and say, oh, God, take care of my needs, when you've been kind of willingly disobeying what he's asked you to do in caring for family, and friends. It just wouldn't make, make sense. You'd be demonstrating by not doing this that your faith is not genuine. 
It's tough words. But Paul's saying, look to the elderly. Look to those who are uh, in, in trouble and help them. So the question this morning is, who in your family, who in the wider church family have needs that you can help? But you might say, but God, I'll be worse off. It will cost. I'll be worse off. I don't know what the future holds. How do I know that it's not going to drop through more? How do I know I'm not going to lose my job tomorrow? How do, you know that, how do I know that I'm not going to, be, I'm going to be in a position where I'll be worse off by helping others? And shouldn't I be making sure that I'm, I'm, I'm caring for me rather than others? And maybe this is part of our fear, isn't it? We, it's always much safer to have more than we need rather than to give the excess because one day we might be those in needs, but God says, I'm a God who cares. I've promised that you don't need to worry about tomorrow, what you wear or what you eat, because you know, I know about the birds and the sparrows. I know about every hair that's on your head. I delight in you. I take interest in you, and I will take care of you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills, and I can easily care for you. So in the midst of all this, as you have more than you need, sometimes it just takes a step of faith to give some of that excess to those that are in need, to care for them. You might say, I haven't talked to my parents for years. I don't even like my parents. Could be something you say. We're estranged. I would just go back and again say, do you know, They cared for you when you were born. Uh, God loves it when you care for those in your immediate family. Uh, All the reasons that we've given are valid for you. And maybe it might be time to really say, God, how can I take initiative in this area? Even if they haven't been good parents, they only have a few children. And they need care to honour them. Even now, showing kindness to those who hurt you in the, in the deepest ways will be clearly demonstrating your Christian faith. So if you're helping those who are in immediate need, if you're helping those in your immediate family, your parents, your grandparents and your relatives and you're doing that well, then the next question is who in my church family can I help and who uh, amongst my church family has no family that, that we really need to be taking care of? And that's a question that I think is not just for pastors and me and Gail and pastoral care, although it is for us, but it's also for each and every one of you because, you know, the truth is we have 35 small groups in our church and in there are needs that are unfolding every single week in your group, in different groups. And the question is, is there someone in my small group now in this, that I'm doing life with who's going through an issue that I can help, that we can help, that together we can help? Because, you know, in the end, I'm not the church. I'm one part of it. All of us who have faith in Christ are the church. And in your small group, you can take an incredible role in helping people. So I ask, who are my immediate family? Who are my relatives? Who in my small group can we help 
and show this love and care to it. Has anyone lost their job? Has anyone suffering through sickness? Is anyone going through really, really challenging time? Questions of doubt? Anything? How can we help and care? And then maybe today, when you're thinking about that, you might be thinking, maybe this is what God put me on earth to do, to care for other people. Maybe this is your gift. Maybe you have a mercy gift or or a pastoral care gift which really says, I just want to help people. I'm filled with compassion when people are hurting. And it could be that you might be someone who needs to be part of the pastoral care team, part of those that go and visit people. We want to use those gifts that you have in that area. It could be this morning that you know people who are hurting and you want to encourage them to go to Mustard Seed Counselling Centre. It might be that they could really help and that would be a way to show love and care to people in your street or friends that you know to go there. I wonder today, what needs could you be more focused on? More focused even than on the stock market. More focused even than on your busy schedule, but to help others with. Because this is how we all become a church that cares, a community that cares. Can you imagine what would happen? Not only for those in greatest need in our family, but in our church. People would start to say, do you know what, I don't know much about Jesus, but that Wodonga District Baptist Church, you go in there and they care for you. You know? You've got a need and they help. They pray for you. They love you. And, and, and what an example we would be to the wider community as we love one another and as we care for each other. I, I want to ask you, Today or tomorrow, would you be able to do this? Would you be able to come before God, just spend some time saying, God, who needs my care most today? God, who needs my care most today? And would you respond to him? Even if it costs. Now, look, if you're in need, we don't expect you to give more. Would you do us another favour too? Would you talk to us about your need? Maybe write it on a blue card. I really would need some help here. Maybe uh, you know someone who could need help with, with a prayer or with a meal or something like that. Just, just let us know. And together we'll try and care for each other. But ask yourself today, who can I help? God, who can I help as you care for me? Let's pray. Thank you, God, that you're a God who cares for us. We just want to say we love you, God. You have cared for us just so much. We're overwhelmed by your love and your care. And God, now in these times, help us to not pull back. Help us to not be cautious when it comes to caring for other people. Lord, help us to be those that show love and kindness and compassion and mercy to those most in need. God, help us to continue to love you and thank you for what you've given us, but help the least of these among us. We pray for widows. We pray for elderly. We pray for those who are sick and hurting and those who are suffering at this time. And, Lord, may each one find that this is a community, a godly community that cares for them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to...